Welcome back to The Drop, the contest debrief edition. My name is Stace Galbraith, and once again, I'll be joined by none other than Jake the Snake Patterson. We're going to talk all things Bells, and arguably the most meaningful win on the men's side of the draw that I can think of in a very long time, Ethan Ewing taking out the title 40 years after his late mother won the very same event. Ethan grew up with the bell in his house and now he's got one of his very own to uh, sit alongside it and uh, no doubt a very special day for the Ewing family and everyone up at North Stradbroke Island and the extended community up there will be brimming with joy after what was a massive Easter break down at Bells. We're going to get into Snake's come-ups, some of his letdowns, and we're going to get a little bit of unsolicited advice out of Snake. He's always got good stuff to give. And uh, we're going to speak about the women's side of the draw. Tyler Wright going back-to-back after never having won a Bell. Uh, she's just asserted herself down there as, you know, obviously one of the favourites. Uh, it's quite astonishing to think she never had that much success down there. And now she's a two-time bell ringer. Let's get into the show. I think someone must have been cutting onions when that final was running, Snake. That was a pretty emotional final in on the men's side of the draw, mate. Oh, mate, there wasn't a dry eye in the house when um, Ethan's speech came out, was it? When he was on stage and he said, just everyone just... Um, you know, you don't know what life's going to, to uh, dish up, so make sure you tell your mum you love that. Oh, my God. I've, I've just did it again. <laughs> oh, my God. It's so emotional. I mean, what a inspiration. That's incredible. You know, on a day like today, it's just so hard not to obviously be cheering for him all the way. 40 years, like... It's just crazy how timing works like that. He obviously would have felt like it was his chance to win the bell last year, and it really was his event to lose. But... I don't know, like, maybe you can script it, Snake. That was pretty well put together. Oh, but he was by far the best surfer, you get what I mean? To beat Philippe, he looked like the guy that was totally on fire in those waves at, at Winky Pop today. But Ethan just stuck to his game plan and, and just nailed him. It looked like he had another a whole other level when he had to, to go to. So, oh, just hats off to the kid. I mean, that was so impressive to watch. I mean, he had to deal with... You know that was pretty good in the morning, and then the after the oh, it was un, almost unrideable in the in the end. There, I thought it was just a shocking call to run. I honestly can't see how the last day of the waiting period, from what I checked on the on the forecast, it have to be ten times better than what it was today. Uh, not today, like this morning was for for sure runnable, but this afternoon with that high tide and that wind was horrible. You've been in that position before, mate. What kind of things are you weighing up when you are in that contest director role? Oh, you're getting pulled all, all kinds of directions. You've got to have big bloody balls to, to do it, mate. And like, um, you know, you've got to, you're going to upset, upset someone along the way, no matter what happens. You can't keep everyone happy. And that's the golden rule of contest directing. So, um, you know, I, I kind of directed the, the, Quicksilver Pro one year and I moved to Kira four times. I moved the whole contest to Kira and didn't run a heat one year. And every move was 50 grand. So it was like so heavy to make that call. But, you know, at the end of the day, we finished at Kira and, and there was, you know, that famous moment of uh, Kelly dropping in, um, Parker dropping in on Kelly. It, it was the best shit ever. So um, it, it's worth it at the end of the day. Parker used to have your number on speed dial from memory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So did Kelly. Everyone does. Everyone loves to have their little, have their input when you're the contest director. But at the end of the day, you know, you're there to, to make it fair for everyone and for the contest to run in the best possible conditions. So I just don't know if this afternoon, if they could have held the semis off, maybe it would have, 
you know, the, both the semis for the men's and women's till, till the last day, I reckon, might have been better. But I know it's all done and dusted. So we just don't live in the past, do we? Yeah, I mean, it, we don't. It's a terrible way to live. But I do think it's worth talking about because there are so many layers to an event. I know, you know, I, I saw a lot of comments online when they went on hold the other afternoon until 4.15. Uh, a lot of comments online, oh, you know, what's the point of going back for two heats? Well, the point of going back for two, potentially three heats is massive. When you're dealing with they had 32 heats left in that uh, event, if they could have got, oh, excuse me, I think they had about 36 heats left. If they had got those couple of heats done, it would have meant today that they could have had 46-minute overlapping heats and not 40. And there's all these little things that they they are, you know, that that ivory tower, it is a it's a thankless position they're in. Like it is a very, very tricky job. But they're not just throwing darts at a board going, oh, when are we gonna send these crew out? But I, I would have to agree that the forecast did look like, and we will see in the next few days, um, that there was a little more energy potentially on the last day of the forecast. But again, Victoria can be tricky. We even said at the start of the last podcast, you, you would never hang your hat hat on anything down there. And when you've got momentum to finish a finals day, you've got partners and sponsors and fans down the beach like oh i can see why it makes sense just to finish the thing it is it's all done and dusted and i think uh the right people won at the end of the day so it's um you know tyler was on fine form the whole event and she went through the elimination round but uh you know she was ripping after after that first opening heat so um yeah and ethan there's no you know him and philippe for me were were the standouts all event yeah, definitely. Back, getting back to Ethan, I think we can talk about him enough. Like To me, there's just such a noticeable difference in not so much his individual maneuvers. He's always had that, obviously, beautiful look on a wave and massive turns. But it's the in-between stuff where even if he catches a little rail, he's still happy to power through the rest of the ride. Whereas I feel like early days in his career, he was just so critical of himself, he wouldn't kind of almost just get the job done on waves. And I think he's starting to realize now that even him catching a rail or having a little bobble, it's still the most clean surfing we'll get on the tour. Yeah, he's definitely picked it up on 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 how to make a bog look good. Now, you get what I mean? Instead of giving up, he's, he's such a purist kind of thing. It reminds me of a bit of Taylor Knox kind of thing. He never compromised the way he surfed in heats. You know, even when he needed a, a four or Luke Hitchings, for instance, as well, call him the purist. It was like needed a four point ride at the end of the heat to win, but they're still going for an eight or a nine. It's like it's just the way I surf and I see a big section. And it's what I'm going to do. And they live and die by it. And, you know, it, it, it wins some heats, but a lot of the time it can lose them a heat as well. Yeah, 100%. So, yeah, well done to Ethan there and a tip of the cap to Callanan as well. I. I feel like both of those guys got the semi-final revenge they were looking for. Obviously, Ethan last year got stitched up by the ocean. The year that they ran bells before that, uh, I believe was 2019, was the last time they ran down there. Uh, Callan and I thought got done by a pretty heavy call to Philippe in the semis, the year that John beat Philippe in the final. Um, so I felt like there was a lot of lot of justice being held, held today down there and, and a fantastic, uh, you know... All Aussie final? Are you kidding me? Yeah, and for men's and women's, it's pretty sick. Huh? It's great to see. And getting over to the women's side, Tyler, man, she hit another gear in the final. I think like it's it's heats like that. Sometimes you see Steph do it, and, and Tyler they they come up against the one of the Groms, and they're like, 
no, not not yet. Like this is how this is how this one's going to go down. And Tyler just dominated from start to finish. <laughs> not on my watch, huh? She just goes, yeah. But as as the they said on the um on the award ceremony, it was like they never laughed so much in a final. Like they're out there making jokes and like just you know having a go at each other. So the spirit's there and the com- competition like is is still fierce, but they're making it light hearted and um yeah, it's it's great to see in the sport. I think. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I think, you know, you, you see, like, is there another heat there with Jacko Baker and Geordie Smith both talking to each other in, in the opposite heats? But, you know, I, I'd love to, you know, we see it in the Stab 100, like, surfers mic'd up in heats is amazing. So, I don't know, we've got them wearing the Apple Watches. Maybe we can get them wearing the Apple Hot Mics, really get uh, the inside scoop. But uh, the commentary made a pretty interesting point about um, Molly's journey. Molly, obviously, you know, been with Micro now for a number of years, coaching before she was on the tour, uh, and now obviously on the tour. She shadowed Tyler and Micro to a lot of those events. Uh, Can you give us some insight there as to what it's like to have a Grom on your team, and then all of a sudden that Grom kind of becomes a superstar? Like, Molly's pretty clever. She definitely would have a few, you know, memories in her playbook. Oh, for sure. I mean, uh, I, I was coaching Kanoa and Griff from the QS, and now they're like, you know, full battle against each other, you know, and those guys were both on snake tails for, for, for years, battling, you know, kind of like for each other, and now they're like mortal enemies, and that heat that they had today was another battle royale. I mean, have a look at the one they had last year, and then – for it to come down to the fifth place as well, like one knocked each other out of the top five. It was like, geez, these guys, the rivalry is just going to get deeper and deeper and deeper. It's 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 what the sport needs, though. They want to, you know, we, we need that stuff. So people go, oh, wow, those guys are matched up against each other. Can't wait to see the battle go down. You know, the Andy Kelly thing, you know, how raw and emotional did that all get? So that's what I love to see in the sport. Any Any fight, you know, George Foreman, Muhammad Ali, all that stuff, you know, like the rivalries and the, the talk up and the and all that stuff is what makes competitive sport better. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, we're seeing it now with, with Griffin and Kanoa. They, they share the same three major sponsors. Uh, they both, you know, Kanoa's pipped Griffin to the post for the top five spot two years in a row now. Um, it, it's sort of naturally heading in that direction. And then on the women's side, you know, we've got that, we talk about it every week, like the new guards coming through, but I still think on a performance level, um, you know, the servers that have been on the block for a long time, Carissa, Tyler, Steph, I still think they hold the upper hand uh, when it comes to the, the waves and in those big moments. And I think that the, the balance right now is amazing. Molly Picklam, number one in the world, Tyler Wright, number two, Carissa Moore, three, Caitlin Simmons, four. I mean, that's just such a perfect balance of old and new. Yeah, it's it's exciting to see how, how the year's going to pan out. I mean, you know, two of those top four, four girls didn't make the cut last year. <laughs> so this is, you get, oh no, um, what am I talking about? Um, I'm thinking of uh, Betty Lou. Betty Lou and um, Molly didn't make the cut last year and look where they are now. You get what I mean? Um, obviously, um, Katie didn't take a spot last year. So you get what I mean? Like this is how fresh these new girls are coming along and, and how much they're learning along the way. So yeah, the older girls have got to watch out for sure. You have a look at the girls under not making the cut right now, Barissa, Sally, Courtney and Lakey. Holy shit. That's a, that's a huge change up. So 
you know, Margs is the only one event left. And, you know, uh, Lakey's won Margs, Courtney's won, Sally's won Margs. So it's going to be an interesting event for sure for the ladies' side, to say the least. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah, going through that from 11th down to 15th, is only separated now all these surfers aren't making the cut but the gap there is only 900 points between that little group so the chasing pack you know once they drop a result they're all going to be right around that sort of uh 12,000 point mark once they drop a result going into this on the live ratings uh and then above that you got macy callahan in 10th she's on 13,900 but her problem is she's actually dropping a ninth whereas most of the surfers chasing her are actually dropping uh equal 17th which is a last place so on the adjusted ratings there it is super close between stephanie gilmore at eighth all the way down to 15th. Like, Margie's for the women is going to be ridiculously close to see who makes it over that cut line. Yeah, do you know what happens if there's ties? Is it surf-offs or no? i would have to get back to you on how they split a tie snake, but it, it, it won't be a surf-off. There's, there's a, you know, multiple ways you can split a tie. You can go down to number of heat wins. Uh, then it goes down to average heat score. And then I even think it could even go down to number of excellent waves. Um, so they, they won't have a surf off, I don't believe. Not unless all of those things can't be broken. Uh, but there's even another way that they can split the tie. I think it's the very first thing they do is they either drop the bottom or the lowest result and see who then is broken off that. Uh, but I have to get back to you on the exact ruling. But I, I, I don't think that there will be an unbreakable tie. Um, uh, let's yeah. just wait and see. <laughs> it's going to be exciting no matter what. Yeah, well, surf-off would be sick. I love that year they had the surf-off Leo v. Mikey. That was like, man, they should have one of them to start the year every single year. Battle Royale. <laughs> hey, they might have to do that with Ramsey and um, a couple of the other injuries that are happening along the road. So who knows? Yeah, that that would be um, that would be all time. We can only wait and see. We've uh, we've spoken a lot about the champions and the and and the runners up. Anyone that sort of stood out to you, Snake, that didn't really hit their mark this week? Um, well, Callum Robson coming from second place last year to like you know losing first round like that's pretty surprising to me because like Bell's obviously suits his style and he had two cracks at it you know in pretty good conditions really. Um, so that was a surprise to me. Um, I, you know, I really thought Cloho, this was going to be his event to get back into the swing of things. Um, he's been to Bells many times. Um, yeah, that's, you know, it's they're the only two that I can think of. Oki and Curran heat, that stood out to me. Holy shit. Oki getting an eight for one turn. I reckon Curran won that heat. I know I picked Oki to win, but I reckon Curran won. To be honest, yeah, I, I it's sort of similar to the heat a couple of years ago. Like Oki won big turn on the bowl, and they just stuck to their guns and 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 rewarded it. Um, yeah, it's it hard hard one to pick. I mean, it was good to see Karen on a regular looking surfboard, but he didn't have regular looking fins in there. Did you see those things? Yeah, I did, but he made them look good. I tell you, that first wave he got was Karen of old, the check turn, and then that carby thing. Like I love that. That. And he got a great score for that. But then he's back. He's 5-1-7. Was, I was calling just as good as he's 7-something. So I don't know. Yeah. I mean, they, you know what they like? They love a bit of quality. But uh, it wasn't much after Oki's one big turn. But I was pretty happy to see um, Ock, Ock take it out. You could see how much it meant to him. Um, 
riding a pretty classic looking channel bottom. I mean, the ideal board would have been a Dahlberg channel bottom. No disrespect, JS, if, you, if you're listening, mate. <laughs> but um... No, there's huge disrespect. How? If you're not a channel bottom shaper, don't shape channel bottoms. He should have gone back to an old Dahlberg channel bottom for sure. Come on. That is... They, they weren't even real channels. And get some glass-on fins in those things as well. Come on. That's what he used to ride. Glass-on fins, pin-tailed, 6.6 channel bottom. That was Dahlberg, dude. That's the only way. That's what he should have been riding, honestly. <laughs> that thing was bogging, honestly. I think, yeah, he wasn't. He said it was tracking a little bit as he, as he came in. And, uh, I mean, I must admit that the, 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 uh, the channels didn't look too deep, so he probably could have gone a little deeper there. Maybe bit, maybe didn't. Maybe trying to be a bit cautious this time around. Funnily enough, Snake... I'll have you know that um, JS's head shaper is uh, Jamie Byrne. That's Al Byrne's son. Uh, Al Byrne, obviously, master channel shaper. Kiwi out of the Gold Coast. And, uh, Do you reckon he did the channels? He even, Do you reckon he, he did it? No, he even said they could have been a little deeper. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So, um, you know, it, it, it's, uh, it's, it's cool to see, though. I mean, I... I'd ram on about them heaps, channel bottoms, and I know you love making them. Well, you probably hate making them. Well, your sander probably hates sanding them. But um, I'm actually picking up a new one tomorrow, if anyone cares, off uh, off Dale Wilson. But, um, mate, I love them. I reckon they're so good. Like, I'm surprised more guys on the tour don't bust them out when it's firing. Like, I really am. No no guys could. No one wants to make them. That's the whole thing. And, it's, and you know what? They don't last very long because they crack. Good ones are thin tail. And they the the middle channel always cracks, and you get like you get a good one, and they only last for like one event or whatever, and then they're done. So, you know, ask Hoyo. Like, you know, they're the best boards ever. They're they're loose, fast, hold in. It's just they're incredible, but they don't last. And you know, that's and the surfboard manufacturers these days are used to, you know, the sanders won't sand them, and they. The modern day shaper just doesn't know how to do them properly, to be honest. And I think too, it comes down to fin sets, and you, you would never chuck a Futures or FCS two plug in those boards. They're just too big, take too much foam out of it. It's got to be FCS one. And I think a lot of these youngsters probably look at FCS one and go, "What are those dinosaurs?" <laughs> That's what I said. Glass them in, and no one's going to travel with glass on fins, are they? Jeez. Oh, people, people have a hard time getting their head around sanding uh, channel bottoms, let alone putting glass in fins in there. Even even Dale won't do it in his pods. He looks at me and don't ask. Just don't even ask me. So, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> um, no, it's, uh, it was, it was uh, sick to see the two old boys out there ha- having a swing. Uh, and, uh, you know, speaking of one other old boy, dare I say it, uh, the old Kelly, Kelly Slater, didn't quite. Uh, I was really thinking he was going to put it together at this event as well, kind of similar to what you mentioned to Kolohe, but unfortunately the conditions were just, I mean, goddamn awful for, for those two middle rounds. Yeah, well, that's just, it's the same for everyone, but, you know, yeah, I really hope he gets a good result, Marks, because, you know, and to be honest, I, I can't see any event not wanting to go for a wild card for the rest of the year. I can't see the tour not throwing him in for a wild card for the rest of the year. You know, they did it to Sally last year with the women. Sally didn't make the cut and she got the wild card for the rest of the year. So I really hope Kelly, you know, they they can't have Kelly go out. He's the GOAT. He's got to have. He's got to be there for whenever he wants to leave. I don't care if he doesn't qualify. He should just, I mean, he's the best of all time. He's, he can't just go out like that. Like at least throw him for the rest of the year and then, you know, hopefully he makes the Olympic team and then off he goes. Into the sunset. 
Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, you, you're right. They do have two wild cards to give. The, the wild card that I think Kelly would most likely apply for, if he needs it, would be the wild card that Gabriel Medina got uh, and is the one where they surf the back half of the year. Uh, and Or there is the other wild card, which is the wild card that Sally got on the women's side of things, which is they have the back half of the year off, but they're not on the tour, and then they come back for the, the first event of the year in the in the following season, which would obviously be pipeline in, in January. So there's sort of two different ways you can go about it there. Um, that wouldn't bode too well for his Olympic qualification, though, if he wanted to go the route of... Um, uh, the, the second one, he'd have to then qualify through the ISA games, which it's all possible. Um, but I'd have to say that's Kelly's main motivation is being a part of the Olympics. Yeah, for sure. So I, I hope, you know, I hope he makes it because he's only just out. So you know, a, a, a fifth play, a quarterfinals, I reckon he'll he'll make it. So, and if there's a lot of box happen next week at the at the Margaret's event, he, he's you know he'll be right up there. He loves that wave. Well, I called it about seven months ago, Kelly at the Box Clinic. So I hope it, uh, I hope it comes true. Uh, one thing that I didn't call at this event was Rio Waeda uh, getting 33rd. Uh, very, very much similar <laughs> to you. <laughs> similar to you, I, I picked him as my underdog. And uh, it's a really funny one. Like we spoke about it last week. He got to Portugal super early and it seemed to do really well for him. Bell's super early and the result didn't go his way. Flip it over to Ethan. Ethan got there really early and the result went his way. Snake, how does that, you know, when you're working with these crew, I know you would probably turn up to events most of the time four or five days before, correct me if I'm wrong, but some crew would like to travel there earlier. How do you keep these young fellas and the women kind of on the course when they probably are weighing up in their heads like, man, am I going there too early? Yeah, well, I think Rio might have, overcooked himself because you know i was watching his instagram he was saying he's having three four hour sessions it's like what are you doing you're going to be totally exhausted by the time your heat comes around um you know when when we go to you know our bunch of surfers to events early and stuff we always do short sharp sessions kind of thing like keep keep fresh and wanting to go out for more but coming in so it's pretty crucial not to burn out like four hour session that's a long surf in in freezing waves, you know, long paddles. Um, you, you don't need that long to fine-tune your equipment. You get what I mean? You, you're not yeah, – although he's there to try and work out the wave on different tides. But, you know, what? if I was him, I would have been going out for an hour, coming in, changing board, you know, come in, eat something, relax for a bit, go back out for another hour, different tide, different board, trying to work out that way instead of, like, four-hour sessions. It's, like, pretty exhausting. How do you go working with athletes that – Need a good warm up surf before a heat. Oh, geez, I, I, I kind of don't, I dislike it because I, I just go, you're not there to warm up. You go out for 10, 15 minutes to get, you know, you should already know what board you're riding, you know, you should be all, you're not there to try and get better. You're actually just trying to get one or two turns in to go, yep, I'm on, I'm ready. You know, it can, can be one wave and then come in ready for your heat. Um, I, I don't, I don't know why to, uh, you need, before you heat like an hour surf, it's baffling for me. You should the work should be already done. Gabriel never wins the free surfs. He doesn't even try. No, he just. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, get what I mean. Like, I, how often do you see um, Philippe free surfing the Connors Bank? Yeah, rarely. At, at Karamis one year, I don't think he ever surfed Karamis. You know, with when the when the Connors was on, he was surfing another break and just getting used to his equipment and said, "Oh, I'll surf it when my heat's on. It'll be fine." 
who knows if there's going to be a half an hour lull, you're not even going to catch a wave. What difference does it make if you spent four hours out there? <laughs> it's just like, I'm going to deal with what's in front of me. I'm ready. My equipment's good. Um, bang, I'm going to deal with what's, what's in front of me. Yeah, I mean, it is. It's a, it's a fine line between keeping it that simple and then wanting to be prepared. And I can understand some of the rookies, like Rio, wanting to tick every single box that they can. But I do believe in some instances they probably create boxes that don't even need to exist. Uh, and it can be a, a bit of a trap, particularly if, you know, you are you know, one of those surfers, which a lot of the youngsters are, they need to ride a good wave to feel good when really that just isn't true. Like they're such, all such high level talent, both the men and the women getting one wave in your free surf or not. It's sort of just fairy floss. It, it is just, it doesn't mean a thing. It needs to be done in your heats, which they're all capable of doing. So yeah, it's an interesting balance. And I've been loving watching Rio's year. Like his whole story to me in particular is, is really cool. And um, yeah, he's definitely learning. He worked in Portugal, didn't work here. I'm curious to see what he does between now and uh, WA. Maybe he'll just ride out his accommodation at Bells and hit the pause button. Or maybe you'll see him hassling you for waves tomorrow morning snake i don't know oh there's a big storm coming in the next couple of days everyone that comes over early is going to get skunked mate it's going to be unsurfable five meters and uh horrible here it you know on thursday friday this week so um not worth coming early judging what rio did at bells i think that's right up his alley so yeah he's probably getting on a plane now <laughs> <laughs> mate getting over to the favorites i finally got one back on you Called the young fella from the start. You picked John, who got third. A valiant showing. Um, but, yeah, we both stacked a 33rd, a third, and a first. So, not bad. We, we kind of bookended the event. But after last year, it was like a bit of a revenge, I think, for, for what happened to him last year because it was horrible. They, they replayed that, that heat in the semis when he was surfing against Philippe, and, and you were just going, oh, wow, that's um, so brutal what happened. But, geez, Philippe went mad in that semi for the two waves he caught. <laughs> went crazy what about ethan and gabriel's heat getting called off in that afternoon like i thought they were going to stitch ethan again when the tide was coming in after the heritage heat and they ran the jow maddie mcgilvray heat and jow kind of got caught out with no real quality waves and they they called it off and i was like oh bill ewing's standing on the stairs just shooting death rays up to the (laughs) up to the commissioner's office (laughs) don't do that to my boy again and they they didn't so yeah it was um yeah it was a, a pretty uh Pretty good call there, I think, and um, I think they, you know, they had to run on those two big. They had to run on those two big stormy days. Like, obviously, that wasn't super pretty, but like they had, they have to get those big rounds out of the way. There's just, there's no, there's no two ways about it. Um, and then yeah, get, getting over to Philippe, like Philippe looked, looked pretty deadly, I thought, but he kind of was feeling, I think, pretty underdone. He had the really close heat with Jackson Baker. Uh, and, and I think regardless of what you think of that outcome, I, I think from the surface perspective, Philippe was really unhappy uh, with Jackson's score, albeit admittedly Philippe uh, didn't see his last turn and also was judging the way from the back, which is just a dangerous thing to do. Like There's just absolutely no way you can really break that down until you watch all four waves, but he was fired up when he came in. Well, he was he was just in such control of that heat and just was cruising to the victory and then cuz he didn't know the score, he was on the he was on the reef. They called his score, he went to second. So he's last wave, I reckon if he had have known his last wave he needed the score, well, might have oh, he ripped that last wave to get the 7, but um wow, it was uh, you know, 
I think he'll look back at that wave and go, yeah, I agree, that was a nine. Because, geez, you go back and have a look at that replay. He went handbone on that wave, like three huge turns. Um, Griff got a 9-3-3 for something really similar, you know. So um, I, I think once Philippe looks back on it, he'll go, he was the first one to admit, like he, he watched the first two turns and then turned to look at what was coming and didn't see the last turn. And you, as you said, looking from behind is the worst thing ever because you go, oh, a little bit of water, sure, blah, blah, blah. But he couldn't believe that he got a nine, you know. And to get a nine these days it, with the, the scale the way it is, is like, what the hell did he do? You know, he didn't do a Superman, didn't do an air. He did three turns and got a nine. So, you know, he was just super surprised and understandable. From from his point of view, he's got the heat wrapped up. He's thinking about the next heat. And then he comes in freaking out that he could have lost. And, I mean, yeah, needed a 6-9-1 and, and got a seven. It's, um, I don't know how to put this without having to insert a bleep, but Winky Pop is an absolute shit of a wave to judge. Like, I've never judged there, but I've, I've done a lot of mind judging, and it is such a shit of a wave to judge. It's flat and long, super fun to surf, but as a judge and looking for scoring maneuvers, like Griffin Colapinto's 933 was the only wave that had three turns comboed together with no downtime in between. Every other wave that whole event was nice turn, down the line, oh, connection maybe, okay, throw the tail. Yeah. It is very tough to judge. You know, there's just such a variety of surfing too. Like Ryan Callanan did a really nice backside air later in the day that looked incredible, but still, like realistically for Ryan's standard, like it wasn't that high. It wasn't super groundbreaking, but for the day, it was about as hard and technical air as you could do out there because it's so soft and mushy and just things like that are difficult to do and they're difficult to score. Like Griffin 7 in his heat with Kanoa, man, that was a 4, but Maybe not from the top angle. I don't know. You know, it's, it's tricky, really tricky. Yeah, it's, it's a tough job. No one likes to be a judge. <laughs> you used to. <laughs> I kind of loved it. Yeah, I, I, I still do. Like, I think it's, uh, I think any young pro surfer should definitely, you know, at their club rounds and stuff, definitely be scoring. And, it, mate, if, if you've got that much interest in being a pro surfer, go and do the judging course. It takes half a day. Um, you, you, you need to know what the crew inside the tower are thinking. No, I do that with all my young guys as well. I used to anyway. Like we sit, sit there and, and judge and just go, okay, this is what they're judging today. You know, let's not just think of, you know, airs aren't scoring today. They were looking for huge big rail turns, guys. You know, they, they did it in Portugal one year at Irisira or one of those Portugal um, prime events that we went to and we're just going, I think Zeke won. It wasn't in Irisira, it was at... Um, that other joint, and yeah, and he was just doing huge big rail turns. No matter how many airs, he was just actually put it on rail and he was getting rewarded for big scores for just doing hacks, you know, proper proper surfing, you know. So, it adapt, you know. That's what we're saying about bells, you know. Like, it was, and because all the athletes said it, huh, it's a marathon about all the conditions they had to surf and how different it was from morning to afternoon and the tides. We talked about the tides, um, all that kind of stuff. It was like the guy that adapted the best kind of won, so, and the girls. Yeah. And look, I, I know you didn't pick him, but you, you made an amazing call about Ethan and his strategies and, and style of surfing and, and that he'd only ridden 14 waves before that final had paddled out. In that day, which yeah. is so gnarly to think about. Ryan Callanan had ridden 29, double the amount. That is like, 
It's that's man, that's pro surfing at its highest form. Yeah, but have a look at the strategies that Ethan, I reckon, I picked up. That like when he gets someone really good, he goes, "I'm going to out select them on the waves that'll out surf them on the on the better waves." But then when he's got someone that I think he could beat, maybe uh, he'll ride more waves. Like have a look against Gabby. He rode two. Or he rode three waves, but two really. And then the next heat, um, he had Matthew and 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 you. He he changed his tactic a little bit and rode more waves because he he didn't want to be starved like thinking that way. He's happy to be starved losing to Gabby or Philippe because he goes that's the tactic I need to 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 beat those guys. But against someone like Matthew, he's going well. You know, I think I can do the Philippe trick of riding a lot of waves and I'll I'll out surf him on the same kind of waves. So the kid's on fire, mate. He's like learnt so much and just he's a. He's going to be the the guy to beat, I reckon, for the rest of the year. I, I he's going to do a Jack Robbo. This event to me really, I don't know if it's changed my tune, but it definitely perks my uh, eyebrows up to think that maybe he can do it at Trestles without an air. After watching him today, like that was pretty special. The waves were, we know what the waves were. He had the gnarliest guys you could have to beat, and he got them. His flow and his technique and his calves are that strong. And guess what? He can do airs. He can do really good thin fin throws and like he can mix it all up. He's got every every carve or mix up in the book. It's just no Philippe and like those crazy, you know, full rotations and stuff. But I don't think he needs to, to no, be honest. he doesn't. Like we saw it today. It's just... Yep. Magic board, six foot, five to six foot trestles. Yeah, exactly. Bango. Like if he, if he can sort of... Like you said, outwave select those guys and and not give them a too long of a leash. Like like keep them honest. Trestles is going to be you know at five six foot would be a lot more consistent than what we saw today. I think the fact that it was so wave starved worked into his favour against Gabriel and Philippe. They love to ride waves. Um, so trestles, I just don't see them getting wave starved. But there's no doubt that his flow and power it, it definitely to use uh, Ronnie Blakey's term anethesized his competitors. Yeah. Well, if you go back to the finals where he lost to um, uh, Attilo last year, he waited and waited. He had that game plan. He waited and waited and waited. All he had to do was wait another minute and he would have – he took a wave and the very next minute there was the wave he was waiting for. So he kind of didn't hold – stick to his guns and, and um, lived and died by it because, um, you know, he took off on a on – a, Shitty bumpy one fell, and the very next wave it was like the wave he was waiting for, and that's why he pretty much lost. No second chances on that in that thing. That's why I want to see best of three, you know, for everyone in the top in the top five. But you know, that's a whole another another podcast. I think <laughs> <laughs> we can definitely do that. We're going to do a three D podcast next week. I'm going to come around to your joint. We'll flare one up pre margs, um, but we've got a little bit more to wrap up on bells here. A lot of overlapping heats. We saw this event. Um, there's whispers around some surfers pote- potentially keeping an eye on other surfers in the um, world championship years when things used to finish at pipe. They used to actually split the world title contenders up so they couldn't surf back-to-back in the draw. That way they couldn't mess with each other. I reckon there's potential for the cut surfers to wreak havoc with one another uh, going into Margie's, just given that there are so many surfers on men's and women's cut line, if you're in the priority heat, I think you've got every opportunity to say in the last minute of your heat, if you're comboing your person, 
you could easily be messing with that person in the other heat. I reckon if you if you if you were that clued on. Yeah, the the beauty of it is that you've always got that opportunity to have the priority in your side of the heat as well. So you could definitely screw with someone in the other heat. But um, yeah, I mean the Winky Pop is really tough because there's two kind of peaks. So if you're in the non-priority heat and you're sitting up, you. you you can't really do it because you can ride a wave all the way through the other the priority heat will drop in on you. You've got to flick out, you've just wasted your priority and, and whether the guy wants the wave or not, he can take off and flick out and go, Well, I'll take another one off you if you want. <laughs> it's pretty heavy, but in saying that, you're gonna get your chance to come back around and surf surf a priority heat anyway. So I don't know. It's yeah, they're not gonna go cutting up people that are on the cut line in Margaret's say, so, oh, we're not going to make you surf, you know, in the heat after heat because you yeah, can stuff with each other. But, draw. Yeah, because everyone's on the borderline pretty much. But, yeah, it's interesting comment, but, oh, geez, it, it, it could happen easily. I just think when the conditions are slow, you could do it and, and you, could, you could consciously do it. Um, but if there's enough waves and it's consistent, you wouldn't notice anything like that. But, yeah, I definitely think these crew are on a level where they're smart enough. And if they're the athletes aren't thinking about it, like you've got guys in the rock like Chris Gallagher, Dog Marsh, Andy King, Kale Bell Warren, like all these type of guys that the coaching, like people like yourself, it, it, you know, you don't let those opportunities slip. Like you're going to take any advantage you can get. And I definitely think that that's, that's one of them. So it's something I'll be keeping an eye on at Margie's for sure. And something that I wouldn't be surprised if a surfer, you know, It'd be hard to accuse someone of doing that, but I reckon you could, you, you could if you if you you were doing well enough in your own heat for sure. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting one. You mentioned it earlier, Molly coming into this event uh, over in in the West at Margaret River, number one in the world last year. Her head was on the cutting block, and she wasn't you know looking like she was going to be able to you know obviously make the cut, and, and she obviously didn't. Same position now for Jaciankar on the men's side. Number one in the yellow jersey when he's the most talked about guy of the season last year for not making the cut and the performances that he put on. He must just be feeling on top of the world right now, Snake. He is. He didn't even have a good result and he's number one by himself. Just Jack had a worse result, you know, and that's another talking point really is does Jack have an injury coming out of Bells? So, you know, that's the worst result Jack's had in a long, long time. He's been very successful for um, a year and a bit now. So... Um, it'll be interesting to see how he beat um, bounces back. But Jal is world number one. Uh, Yellow Rashi by himself is going to be interesting to see. He ripped Margaret's last year but didn't make the cut. Um, and can he hold on for top five for the rest of the year? I mean, he charges chokes. Um, wave pool will be interesting for him. He's never surfed it probably. Um yeah, I'm interested to see because we've got John and Gabby coming in hot from a, from a fair way back, and of course, Attilo that has is way way down, and you know he's been in the top five last two years, so interesting times. Hundred percent, it's interesting times with um, Jiao at number one, Robbo number two, and, and on Robbo's knee. I think he's going to be okay. Word on the street is it, it, it's not as bad as, as, as first thought. And I uh, saw him doing a bit of training on his Instagram today on his story. So, you know, fingers crossed it's not too bad. You, you always want Robbo healthy coming into WA. He's so special over there and amazing to watch. So, yeah, ho- hopefully it's nothing and he, he's powering. Luckily enough, this year there is a bit bigger of a break in between Bells and Margie. So he's kind of got, um, you know, just over a week to, to get himself together. 
So hopefully that's um, nothing there. But um, with with the man out of those three that you mentioned, John, Gabby, and Italo, do you see any of them not making it? The top five this year. I think John's going to make it. Um, I'm. I don't think Atello's going to make it this year, um, and Gabby. I think he's <laughs> he's going to just miss out by one. Ooh, I like it. So one of them's going in. I, I was sort of saying at the start of the year you could count out two spots. Like Gabby and John are just in. I just penciled them in. Like <laughs> they're just too good not to be there. But I'm I'm with you on Italo. Like you know, he's got two events coming up that aren't really his super strengths. Like Margie's. Hasn't really been a happy hunting ground for him. He had an amazing ride at the box a couple of years ago, but outside of that, he hasn't done a whole lot over there. And then the Wave Pool as well is another venue that he's really struggled at um, for, for his skill level. Like you think he could be a champion there, but there's sort of the length of ride in that Wave that definitely sort of highlights his lack of flow. And I think that, um, yeah, he's going to need to really catch fire probably through that back half of the year. Uh, J-Bay into Chopes and, and hopefully, you know, come home with a couple of strong results there if he's going to look at making the top five. So, yeah, we're going to have to wait and see. But then, yeah, on the women's side, it's a similar kind of sentiment over there. Out of Sally, now this is this is 13th, 14th and 15th. Going to throw you under the bus here. But out of Sally, Courtney and Lakey, do you see any of them making the jump or who's, who's not making the jump? Who's making the cut or the top five? You, I mean... I don't think any oh, of those. Oh yeah, I mean they're they're not making the they're not just, making top five. None of those three. Sorry. What a, Courtney's gone back to back winning events before, so she's pretty gnarly. But okay, I'll I'll make it easier. What about the cut? Any of them making the cut? Yeah, for sure. I reckon uh, one of those three are definitely making it. I don't know which one. <laughs> but, oh. <laughs> but they've re- all they've all done so well at Margie's before. It's crazy that they're all sitting there like it is gnarly. I'd have to say Lakey because geez, she was she was so I'm not going to say unlucky to 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 lose to Steph because she had the wave to 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 beat Steph and she kind of choked. But um, to what I saw her do at Margs when the year she won was so incredible for someone that doesn't really like reef breaks and 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 bigger waves. Um, she she turned that all around from what I saw that year. She demolished Steph in, I think, the semis or the quarters or something like that, um, and it was impressive to watch of, of her big, powerful hacks. Um, so I, I'm calling, I'm going to give Lakey the nod. I like it. Yeah, it's going to be... Uh... It's going to be game on. Then you've obviously got Isabella, who's the defending champ. She's at equal 10th at the moment. So all around that cut line is heaps of talent and like talent that's specific to the venue that we're going to, uh, which I think is, um, you know, makes it even more enjoyable for us to watch. There's plenty, plenty to uh, get our get our heads around in, in the next week or so. Uh, Snake, we'll catch up and do another podcast specific, specifically for Margaret River, so we won't spill any, any of the beans on that now. Um, one last thing, getting back to Jow and Robbo, you, you've been a part of Quicksilver in, in their glory days. Um, you know, Kelly won every event. Uh, you were crushing it. The Groms were the best Groms in the world. Got to give a tip of the cap to Bemi and the team and the surfers at Vulcan. Like, to have their guys at number one and two in the world, clearly number one and two in the world, how good must it be inside their camp at the moment? Oh, for sure. I mean, let's see what happens at the end of the year first. But, you know, to to have the stronghold on the tour right now is, is a huge thing. I mean, 
I mean, all the attention, all the media, and all is on these guys, which is that's why they get paid the money. You know, that's what the sponsorship comes from for being in the media and and being you know famous or whatever. And you're not famous if you come at thirtieth, are you? So. <laughs> Um, Definitely not. It's uh, it's oh. it's hats off to them to, for picking the right guys, you know. So yeah, mm. it's it's good to see. Yeah. It's the you know the, but we'll we'll have to see what happens at the top five. Let's see what happens. Yeah, it's a, it's the small version of the F one, really, isn't it? It's like the pit crew come in and all the work and effort goes into it. And when your team wins or your horse or whatever, you get what I mean. And and I love the innovation of the WSL with the the shaping. Um, the thing that in a battle that's going on with the shapers runner dh went from fifth to second just like that he had a he's was on fire and like you know had uh molly come second and and ethan win so pretty sick love to 14 see 14 bells go dh 14 bells titles with dh go dh that's um man that's pretty special 14 times his boards have been on that podium to ring that the big bell the ding dong that's um that's in- incredible stats and and that's I mean that's why you see a lot of these kids like they they qualify on sometimes their local shapers boards but then when they get at the tour you've got shapers like Darren Hanley JS Britt Merrick you know Marcio Zuvi now John Pizel like they've just got so much flesh in the game at that level uh, the curves and the foam and the glassing and everything they're using at that top level is just so fine tuned and and the records. They just they keep growing. It's it's nuts. F one team, mate. F one. Let's do it. <laughs> Put some more money into it, huh? I hope I hope that the, the shaper of the year gets it an award of some sort. <laughs> uh, 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 maybe a trophy that's a planer. <laughs> holiday to the Mentawis or something. Would be oh, pretty that'd sick. be sick. Are you still running a Snake Tales fantasy surf? <laughs> yeah, I am. I heard you were putting up a trip to Tavarua on it for the win. Oh. <laughs> Shit, who do you think I am, dude? Are you kidding? <laughs> I'd normally give away a shape surfboard, mate. That's about it. Shape channel with with glassy and fins. That sounds pretty good. I might sign up. <laughs> you won't win. It's bloody competitive, <laughs> mate. It's so hard. Mate, it's pathetic how bad I am at that shit. It is. I should be a lot better. Um, I, 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 I did really good besides Jack Robbo, my double, <laughs> double point surfer in this one, but I did pretty good apart from that. Yeah, so you did shit then. <laughs> <laughs> Lose your double guy, it's all over. I had Griff as my double guy. I was freaking jumping out of my chair when he got that nine. Uh, but yeah, that, yeah that, was, that was all it for Griff. Uh, all right, Snake. Well, uh, I'm going to wrap it up with uh, my co-host, Mikey C. He had the funniest week on the punt I think I've ever seen. You can read it up on the uh, the comp write-ups on the site. Uh, lots of up days, lots of down days. He finished. If Ethan didn't win, he would have finished 600 down. 600 US down, but Ethan won, and he finished plus two in the black. So <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty. It was hard. There was upsets all yeah. over the place. I mean, I would almost put my house on Jack winning that heat, but I know better to bet against wild cards yeah. in the home break as yeah. well. So yeah, no, you've, uh, yeah, you got to keep uh, keep an eye on those ones. And then uh, I think yeah, in the earlier rounds, there was heaps of good options to. Uh, sink your teeth uh, into but Mikey's doing pretty well he's 2500 up for the year so tip of the cap to Mikey and yeah if you want to follow his bets you can jump on the site and then uh, read the, the comp wrap ups he's uh, he lays it all on the line he wanted to throw a thousand bucks on the current Oki heat but 
the site that we're uh, using, Bet Online AG, they capped that one at a hundred bucks. So luckily, he only lost a hundred bucks because he went current. Too good. Uh, all right, Snake Man, lovely to have you on again. And, uh, mate, yeah, like I said, next time I'll be chatting to you in person. So I'll see you in about a week, mate. Good fun. Phew!